Stone and nursery volunteers who serve every week, systematically teaching our kids the Bible stories. And we're so, so happy for them, so glad that God has blessed us with so many kids and so many babies on the way. It's exciting, kind of scary and exciting. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them with me to Jonah chapter 2, the book of Jonah chapter 2. mentioned last week you may need to turn to your table of contents first to find it. Uh, It's buried in the minor prophets and that's not a place we often dare to tread. So uh, Jonah and chapter 2. This morning we'll be talking about how to remember the Lord. Now this is sophisticated because Jonah was in a place, and I think sometimes you and I are in a place when we'd rather not remember the Lord. The Lord had called Jonah to do something he really didn't want to do, and maybe the Lord has called you to do something you really don't want to do, and Jonah decided he was not going to do it, and instead he was going to run the other way. He would rather risk the sea than do what God had called him to do, and so he, so he runs. I don't know where you are, what God has called you to do, where he's called you to go, where he's called you to stay, what he's called you to say, who he's called you to love. I don't know where God is calling you or who he's calling you to, but I know there's maybe part of you that would resist that. And I'd like you to see yourself kind of in Jonah's story of this is how it goes when we resist the Lord. So we'll talk about when we don't want God's call on our lives, or when we're running away from God. And then we'll talk about, well, when we finally come to a place where we will surrender and pray. The question we have to answer then is, like, will we call out to him? Because I think sometimes we feel like it's been too long, I've run too far away, I've gone down into the rabbit hole too deep, I'm not worthy to pray, or I can't pray, or for this reason or that reason, I can't call out to the Lord, he won't hear me because I've been ignoring him too long. What's God's answer for that in the book of Jonah? And then, when we finally get to the place where we'll surrender and call out to the Lord in prayer, what will we do then? You know, if the Lord delivers us, what will we do on the other side of that deliverance? So this is what we're talking about. Like, after God answers prayer... We'll talk about, you can call out to him where you are, and we'll talk about, but I'm not sure I want to. You know, like, what do we do with God's call on our lives? It's kind of the plan as we go this morning. So before we jump in, I'd like to kind of remind you where we've been. In Jonah chapter 1, the Lord came to Jonah, the word of the Lord, I guess, came to Jonah and said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. So Jonah arose and ran the other way as far as he could. Remember it says that Jonah went down to Joppa, and when he got to Joppa, he paid the fare and went down into a ship, and then the Lord hurls a storm, and when they're out at sea, during the storm, Jonah had gone down into the ship and lay down to sleep. And the Lord had hurled the storm, and, and it is, the, the boat is about ready to come apart. 
and the storm is getting worse and worse and worse, and the, the sailors are hurling stuff overboard because they're afraid the ship is going to break up and they're going to sink, and they're praying to all the gods they know of. They're not trying to leave any of them out because they need somebody to save them. And they realize somebody's not praying and somebody's not helping, and the captain himself goes down and finds Jonah sleeping the deep sleep of denial, sleeping the sleep of escape. And he wakes up Jonah and he says, Arise, just like God had said to Jonah, Call out to your God, just like God had told Jonah to go into the city of Nineveh and call out against it. The captain is saying, Call out to your God, like perhaps he'll listen and he'll save us. And so they bring Jonah up and they figure the storm is getting worse and worse. They've got to figure out what's wrong. And they draw straws or they cast lots. They figure out what's going on. And Jonah's straw is drawn. And everyone looks at Jonah and says, Tell us what to do, man. What's going on? And Jonah says, You're going to have to hurl me into the sea. God had hurled a storm. They've been hurling luggage. Jonah says, You're going to have to hurl me into the sea. And they don't want to hurl them into the sea. So they try harder to get to shore. And they work harder and they throw stuff, more stuff off. And they row harder and they realize all we can do is hurl them into the sea. So they pray and they hurl him into the sea. And Jonah is in deep water. Jonah can't touch. Jonah is in over his head. Do you know what that's like? To be in over your head? To not be able to touch? To be in the deep water? It's a good thing there's grace for when we're in over our head. Let's pray before we jump into the text. Lord, I pray that if we are running from you, we will stop. And if we are running from you, that you would keep hurling stuff at us until we stop. If we are going down in our path away from you, I pray that you would bring us to a point where we surrender and give ourselves up to you. Lord, stand in front of me while I'm in front of them. Talk over me while I talk to them. Do this for your glory's sake, for our good, for the sake of the world that you love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are in Jonah chapter 1. I'll start in verse 17, the very end of chapter 1. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah has been hurled from the boat. And the Lord appoints a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly. You'll see the belly of Sheol in just a second. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then, <laughs> I think that's awesome. Then, so what will it take for you to pray? Well, you've got to get hurled overboard might not pray the first night in the belly of the fish. <laughs> Maybe the second or third night, then I might pray. Old boy had a hard heart. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. That's amazing. Like, 
his God. Like, God was Jonah's God, it seems like. It just seems like, by the grace of God, God was still Jonah's God, whether Jonah wanted God for his God or not. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. So if you know the book of Psalms, much of this is going to sound incredibly familiar to you. And I think that is because most of it sounds a lot like the book of Psalms. And so I'll have a list of the Psalms up there that are very similar to what Jonah prays. And uh, I'm not going to stop and talk about each Psalm because that would, that would just be kind of overwhelming for our time. But I want you to see this is one of the deepest prayers in the Bible, probably because Jonah is in really deep, like way over his head and stuff. He is drowning. God took Jonah down very low. So Jonah prays a deep prayer. But it's also deep because it's informed by so much truth. And often when we are down the lowest, down the deepest, that's when the truth from our childhood or truth from when we're teens, the truth that we put in the bank comes back to us and meets us. So Jonah prays, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. Like after I've been ignoring you and ignoring you and ignoring you and running from you, I finally cried and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep. Did, did God cast Jonah into the deep? Well, Jonah would say, God is behind all of it. God is utterly in charge. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. You know what that's like when, you've, when you're drowning and you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and you get in more and more and more trouble and more and more overwhelmed? Then I said, I am driven away from your sight yet again. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The, the temple stood for the presence of God on earth which is exactly what Jonah was trying to run from in the first chapter of the book. In the first chapter of the book, I mean, you remember back in verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And then he goes down to Tarshish, gets on a boat, verse 3, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah had spent the first chapter of the book doing his level best to get away from God, and now he is at the bottom, at the bottom, down, way down deep. And he's like, but I'm going to be back in the presence of the Lord again. Turns out the thing that he was running from the most was the thing that he needed the most. It was the presence of God. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. Man, that's rough, isn't it? You know what that feels like? Weeds wrapped around your head's head while you're suffocating and you feel like you're down at the root of mountains. I went down. Hey, do you remember that word? You remember that word? Jonah goes down to Joppa 
goes down to the boat that is going to Tarshish, goes down um, into the boat in order to lay down to sleep. I went down to the land whose bars closed closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Then I think the theme of the whole thing, salvation belongs to the Lord. Hey, where does Jonah's story meet you? Is it, like, are you Jonah? Do you love a Jonah that is running from God? Here's, I think, the really good news in Jonah. Is that no matter how far you've fled, God is still there. You think of, think of Jonah rising up and fleeing, trying to go to the other side of the world, getting on a boat, running as far as he can. It reminds me of the story Jesus told about the son who came to his dad and said, Dad, you're taking a really long time to die, so I'm wondering if I can just have your inheritance now rather than waiting for you to die. And the dad amazingly says, Okay, and liquidates half of his assets gives him his half, and the son, remember, goes to a where? Do you remember? To a far country. And, of course, squanders it. Ends up living with the pigs. Not super kosher. And then decides it's time to come back. You know, even the servants live better than this. And he comes back, and remember his dad sees him coming, and his dad runs and welcomes him back. How far have you run? The Father will see you coming and welcome you home. How deep, how deep do you need to go, right? Like, how deep do you need to go? You think of Jonah here going down, going down, going down, finding himself with the weeds wrapped around his head at the bottom of the sea, at the roots of the mountains, in the belly of a fish, like... It's, it's really, really bad, really, really dark. How deep will you need to go before you're ready to come home? How deep will they need to go before they're ready to come home? The good news is they can come home. You think of, think of Peter denying our Lord again and again in the garden. How deep did he have to go? Well, deep enough till he was ready to come back. You know, the Lord wants Jonah to obey, and so he wants to help Jonah repent, and so the Lord hurls storms at them. 
How many storms will the Lord have to hurl into your life? How many storms will the Lord have to hurl into their life before he has your attention? Just remember that the Lord hurls storms in our life not because he hates us, but because he loves us. Hebrews 12 tells us that God is like a good father that disciplines us like sons that he loves. Romans 8, chapter 28, or chapter 8, verse 28 tells us, reminds us that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. He's hurling storms into your life to bring you closer to him and conform you to the likeness of his son, Jesus. So here's what, here's what I think you must take away from this chapter in Jonah about God, and that is that God saves. The Lord saves. Because in the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. And so Jonah got to live. The Lord had saved Jonah's life. And so Jonah can pray, salvation belongs to the Lord because it is the Lord who saves. So just, just think of this as like Jonah goes down into a metaphorical death, but God spares Jonah from death with a giant fish that vomits him out on dry land. But because God loves you and me so much, he did not spare his own son. His own son died. And then after three days, was raised. His own son was innocent, where Jonah was guilty. But he died to take Jonah's place and die the death that Jonah should have died, like he died to take your place and my place, to die the death that we should have died. He died so that he could save us from our sins. This is the God you surrender to. This is your Lord and Savior that took your place, that died for your sins. So, so what should we do knowing that it is the Lord who saves, no matter how far we run, how deep we go, or what storms have been hurled at us? What should we do? Well, number one, I believe we should pray the truth that we know. Pray the truth that we know. So this is why I think Jonah cites all these psalms. Jonah was a prophet. And Jonah, back then, they would have prayed the Psalms over and over and over and over. And it looks like Jonah had been a prophet that prayed the Psalms over and over and over and over. And when he had run from God, and when he, God had hurled him into the dark, chaotic sea, and he's drowning, and he's fainting, and he thinks he's going to die, it looks like that truth comes back to him. Does that sound familiar to you at all? You run from God, 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 and, you, and then you're in this terrible moment of crisis. And what comes back to you? Well, maybe the kids' own stories you learned when you were a kid. Maybe the Iwana verses you memorized when you were a kid. Maybe the children's choir songs that you sang twice a week, every week, for 10 weeks, and with the motions so that you'd know them for sure? 
What comes back to you? It's the truth that is down deep in your heart that you learn through repetition. What comes back to you when you're, when you're at the end of it? How do you pray those deep prayers? You combine your terrified experience with the truth that you know and the two come together and you pray deep prayers. You pray the truth that you know. So look, I think if you're not in crisis right now, it's a good time to put truth in the bank. If you're in crisis right now, it's a good time to pray the truth that you know over and over again. And if you have small kids at home, I would encourage you to like, take an active role in this. So as I mentioned, like, KidZone is super important. Awana, super important. Um, the different programs that you're involved in, it's super important. But don't, don't just delegate that like you delegate other lessons in life. Like this is something that please take an active role in. So this is uh, when uh, my kids were young. Caleb and Titus were real little. Me and even when Caleb was little, I asked my mom, you know, how do I do this? And she said, make sure you read them Bible stories. And I said, well, you know, like, I can I ask for some more explanation? My mom said, here's the thing. You read the same, you read those Bible story books over and over and over and over and over. And what happens is your kids get the, they get the Bible kind of, they get those central Bible stories in order over and over again. So we read different books, but man, we read the Bible every night to our kids. I read the Bible every night to our kids. I just looked at it like a long-term investment. There is stuff, a lot of stuff I got wrong. Don't look at me as a perfect parent. But one of, the, one of the things I'm glad I did was read the Bible stories to my kids every night. Even when I really didn't want to. I told you before, you know, it would be bedtime, and I know this is part of the process of wrangling them through the bathtub, wrangling clothes on them, you know, putting my hand against their forehead, against the wall, and, you know, it was actually Cheyenne that would do that, that would brush their teeth, you know, like, got to brush your teeth, ah, you know, like, just kind of pushing them through, and then, okay, it's time for dad to read a Bible story, and then dad read the Bible story. Unfortunately, there's one person in that picture that really never got anything out of the Bible stories. Can you guess who that is? That is the little dog, Cutie. I don't think the Bible stories ever improved her character whatsoever. I also had to laugh at this picture because I'm like, because, you know, Cheyenne took this picture and I'm like, for the love. For the love. That's, that's when you decide to take the picture. Do you see what book I'm reading to them? It's not the Bible. Do you see what book I'm reading to them? It's not Pilgrim's Progress. You see what book I'm reading to them? It's not, you know, all the other cool stories I read. I'm reading Spongebob in that picture. SpongeBob, but maybe that's why Caleb and Titus are hanging out. I don't know. <laughs> Here's the point, man. Put the truth in the bank when you can. Every way you can. Okay, so the Lord saves. So pray the truth that you know. In order to pray the truth, you've got to know the truth. So put it in the bank while you can. Number two, because I think there's, a, there's part of us that is like, but I, I can't because I haven't. Right? So 
I've been running from God for so long. I haven't been praying for so long. I've been ignoring God, running from God for so long. I'm to the point now where it would be hypocritical for me to pray. It would be duplicitous for me to pray. I'd have to swallow a mountain of pride to pray because I've been against that kind of thing for so long. So in, so in uh, Jonah 1, verse 1, the, Lord, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, uh, the son of Amittai, and says, verse 2, Arise, go out to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. And then you remember what Jonah does? He, he runs the other way. So God says, go call out against it. And Jonah's like, nope, and runs the other way. Then remember the captain of the ship comes down to Jonah and says, Jonah, we need you to pray. Please call out to your God. We're all dying, Jonah. Please call out to your God. And there is no mention of Jonah praying. That call out word, same word, used twice. Chapter 1, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 6, when he says, arise, call out to your God. Same word that's in chapter 2, verse 2, where Jonah says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. God had told Jonah to call, and he'd ignored him. The captain had called, told Jonah to call, and he'd ignore him. And here's Jonah now swallowing a mountain of pride and calling out to the Lord. And the Lord hears. Hey, just so you can hear yourself say it, if you're sitting by yourself, would you just read um, Jonah 2, verse 2 to yourself. If you're sitting next to someone, please read Jonah chapter 2, verse 2 to the person sitting next to you. So God's grace, so this message of God's grace can sink in. Go ahead and read it to the person sitting next to you. Amen. That is, that is better news than we deserve. That after ignoring God's call, and ignoring God's call, and ignoring God's call, and running from God's call, and disobeying God's call, and flipping God off, Jonah calls out to God, and God hears. I've really talked about Jonah in a way that's been negative most of the time, through chapter 1 especially. Because uh, Jonah runs from God, and Jonah disobeys God. Jonah ignores God. But here's one thing you have to say about Jonah. What he says in chapter 1, verse 9, almost to the end of verse 9, he says, And what I have vowed to the Lord, I will keep. And you know, it sure looks like he does. Because, you know, you wonder, well, what did Jonah vow to the Lord? So think of it, he's been called to Nineveh, and he says, no, God hurls a storm that causes him to be hurled overboard. He's in the belly of a fish. What do you think Jonah vowed? 
I think he vowed to go to Nineveh. Like, God, if you get me out of this fish, I'll go to Nineveh. That's how it looks anyway in chapter 3, when the Lord comes back to him a second time and says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. Same word, call out. So it looks to me like Jonah vows to the Lord. I mean, I don't know this, but I'm guessing he vows to go to Nineveh, and it looks like he keeps his vow, even though he really doesn't want to, even though this is a really hard vow to keep. I want you to feel how inconvenient it would be to vow this vow. Because sometimes I think when you and I are in desperate situations, dark, scary, we're drowning, our life is fainting away situations, we'll vow to the Lord, Lord, if you get me through this, I'll, right? Like you're in the ER, God, if you get me through this, I'll, we're arrested, God, if you get me through this, I'll, and then we make those, these vows, then we get out and we're like, well, this is really inconvenient, I don't want to do this. Well, think about what Jonah vowed here, if he, if he did vow to go to Nineveh, okay? So, I don't know where the fish threw Jonah up at. Like, I don't know where the fish puke happened. But if that happened at Joppa, where Jonah got on the boat, this is a long walk to Nineveh. A long walk. I think five, six hundred miles long walk. It's a long walk. And, and, and maybe, maybe the fish vomits Jonah out up here, and God is merciful, and it's a shorter walk. But it's still a long walk. Here's how it looks on a um, satellite map, I think. Tel Aviv is modern-day Joppa. Mosul is modern-day Nineveh. It's a long walk. You're, you're not going to walk straight through the desert. You're going to go up, around, and on the trading routes, which, which have gone up and around and then down. It's a long walk. It's a tough vow to keep. But here's the thing. God takes those vows seriously that you vow to him. When you're praying and it's dark and it's scary and God has your full attention and you make a vow, man, keep the vow. Follow through. What you said you would do, go ahead and do. Where you said you would go, go ahead and go. What you said you would say or give or serve, Please, keep your vows. Because it's by God's grace that you still live. And it's not like God is out of storms to hurl at you. If God has decided he'll do something, he's the same God. So here's our question. Our question was, how will I remember the Lord? How will I remember that the Lord saves? You remember that the Lord saves because he took your place. Like he took Jonah's place. He died Jonah's death. He died the death you deserve, that I deserve. He died in our place to free us from our sins. So remember to pray. Pray the truth that you know about him. I think that's why this is such a deep prayer. It's the combination of truth and experiences. Jonah, this is a prayer only Jonah can make up. You know, seaweed is wrapped around my head at the bottom of mountains. Like, this is Jonah's experience combined with scriptural truth. And it hasn't been too long. After all, God is an eternal being. You are time-bound. What do you really know of time? It's not too late to call out to God. 
And when he answers and delivers you, make sure you keep your vows. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for how you watch over us and how you keep us. Lord, I pray that if any are running from you, Lord, that you would give them no rest until they find their rest in you. Lord, if any are rebelling against you, that you would give them no peace until they repent and experience peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray that you would help us come to the end of ourselves and surrender. Because there we find your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.